Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. Hello, welcome back to our fun series we're doing this fall called What I Wish I Would Have Known in My 20s. Yes, guys, we're having so much fun doing all these interviews and we are excited that you're here to listen to our next one. Yes, we have Kay with us. Kay, thank you for being here. We're excited to kind of talk to you and hear your story. We know your story. We love hearing you talk and I feel like every time I'm around you, I just learn something. So I'm excited that our listeners get to learn from you as well. So will you tell us a little bit about yourself, what your life looks like right now? You work here at The Crossing alongside us. You can tell whatever you want to, really. Yeah. All right. Thanks for asking me. I hope I give you a little bit of wisdom and maybe an anecdote or two to uh, be able to use. (laughs) Right now, my husband and I are empty nest. We are the parents of three kids, and our son and his wife live in the Kansas City area, and they've got our two grands up there, and then our daughter lives in San Diego, and we have a grandson out there. And it's fun to get to go see both of them and hang out and kind of now watch that next generation. We Christian and I just went to San Diego, both for the first time. Or, no, wait. I've been a lot. You've, we stayed with your aunt. Oh, yeah, my gosh. Okay. okay, so we got to experience San Diego, and I was like, okay, I could see why she would want to live out here. It's pretty nice. It's pretty nice. We get the question a lot, like, oh, do you think she'll move back when they have more kids? To which I say, it's, you know, 78 and beautiful most of the year, and I wouldn't probably move back unless there was some big reason to come back to snowy Missouri. Although, do you feel like you would miss the seasons, or does she? She has always not liked winter. She doesn't like to be cold. I think I would miss the winters in the the falls, Mm -hmm. just the passing of time. But yeah, it sure is pretty, though. Just kind of, you know, if you get chilly, you close the window, and if you get warm you yeah, open the window that's nice. it's amazing yeah i'm so jealous <laughs> yeah. so jealous can't beat it Kay works here at our church mm-hmm. and Kay is in charge of hospitality so she is super fun if you attend here at the crossing or if you've ever visited you've probably seen her up at our front desk but what are some of your other hobbies because i feel like you're interested in a lot of different things i mean i am kind of up for anything i really like to hang out with friends i like to do social things My husband has always been a sports guy. Whenever we first met, we were in high school, and he played baseball, and so I've always enjoyed sports. My mom was a big sports fan as well. Yeah, so we like to get together with our friends. I love to rearrange my house regularly, so it's kind of a joke with my husband that whenever he comes home late at night, he better turn on the light because I may have moved the sofa right in front of the doorway, but I like to do that. I kind of can never leave well enough alone, so whenever I come into the office, I like to, you know, shuffle the deck, and so that's kind of one of my hobbies other than, yeah, hanging out and chatting with friends and going to dinner and staying a long time. You keep the fridges here stocked with some really great drink options, some great LaCroix for flavors. So I always appreciate that. Yes. She is a great host. So one thing you are very good at. I like to surprise people with fun stuff. No, no. So we had kind of talked about your life and you've shared over time with both Christian and I different aspects of your story. And you've mentioned a few times that your life kind of has turned out different than you expected it to be. So kind of going back to the beginning of what you would call your story, maybe with your husband, how did you handle that? Walk us through kind of your life and what you mean by being different than what you expected. For some reason, and I grew up on a farm, the youngest of seven kids in Schmallsville, USA. And 
I always fancied myself a city girl. I always thought there's just, you know, my cousins would come in from Kansas City or St. Louis and or we'd go there and I was just wide-eyed. I loved the cities. So I always thought that that's what I was going to do. And really kind of that's where it stopped. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go to college for this and I'm that just I just want to go to the big city. So when my husband and I, we started dating in high school and we were the quintessential high school sweethearts. And he is very athletic, but at the time he was playing baseball and he was a pitcher and he was a really good pitcher. And there could be a funny story about that because when his coach kind of sidled up next to me and said, you know, what do you think about Craig, you know, possibly being drafted? I did not know what being drafted meant. <laughs> I, I had Vietnam era brothers. So I literally went, well, I guess it's okay. And then I walked away and told one of my friends, I didn't know we were at war. And she... And so she had to explain to me what the baseball draft was. So that's... Well, talk about small town USA. That's hilarious. So needless to say, Craig did not marry me because I knew everything about baseball. And it was he he has loved to tell that joke of the bless her heart. You know, but That's anyway, amazing. I've learned a lot since then. <laughs> now, now I know I know a lot about sports. That's now, hilarious, and I even like football, and I enjoy going to the games. We oh, do that amazing uh, the, the football games and stuff. But yeah, so that was that was kind of our start. So when the agents were kind of starting to talk to Craig, and he actually got drafted a couple of times by the San Diego Padres, which would have been very fun, and the Oakland A's. And at the time, I was like, okay, this is my ticket out. Here we go. I'm going to hang on to this guy. And he ended up not going the first time with the draft. And he went to Mizzou and was a pitcher there and had some success there and then ended up his junior year hurting his arm. And that was kind of before all of the orthoscopic surgery. And so that ended his career. We thought kind of for a time, but then it really did end his career. But he hasn't stopped playing sports and still to this day plays golf and all of those things. So that's kind of how we started. But all that to say, that kind of killed my plan because my plan was to get out of Schmaltzville and he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't going going there yes (laughs) so at this point you guys are still dating and you're at Mizzou too and you guys are kind of just dating throughout college okay yeah yes so whenever he hurt his arm he lost his scholarship and pretty much around the same time I became pregnant and so then that was okay let's shift this whole thing let's be responsible and so he quit college he got a job I got a job We went and got an apartment and settled in and started to raise a little baby. Those things were really, really sweet, but there was this incredible disappointment and even resentment in my heart of, I had bigger things for myself. I thought I I was going to be somewhere else, not here. It was also very much a pride thing of, I thought I was smarter than that. I thought, you know, how could I be so dumb? And... Then also then resenting Craig because he was thrilled. He he had what he wanted. He was such a he was such a great dad. He was a great husband. And I was really honest, if I'm gonna be honest, I was really, you know, resentful and mad at him for somehow not 
even after you're not playing baseball, let's let's get out of here. Let's go someplace bigger and better. And he was just happy to be here with yeah. his wife and kid. Yeah. And take us through like what, so you guys get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Were you guys freaked out about that, scared about that, excited about that? Like what was that feeling as you guys are both now in college pregnant? Yeah. He just lost a scholarship. You're like, oh my goodness. Yeah. You're trying to get to Kansas City. Yeah. Well, it was interesting. It just became just doing the next thing, the next right thing, and as far as we thought in our brains. So I thought, in my head, I honestly thought, okay, let's get married. We'll give Kyle a name and a family. If it doesn't work out, I can always get a divorce, and we can be on our way if this just doesn't work out. I thought I was very flippant about it. Mm-hmm. I mostly thought about getting married just to save face because, well, I've already you know screwed up the family name. Let's do something right now. And so that was a really hard thing to admit. And then also that the simmering disappointment and disappointment with God, resentment toward Craig, I guess, and you know maybe even not necessarily Kyle, but just this is not the way I planned it. This is not what I wanted. And I wasn't sad all the time, but it was just this undercurrent of, huh, this isn't the way I thought life was going to turn out. And shoot, I wanted something bigger and better. So you guys end up getting married, though. When So you get pregnant. How soon did you guys get married? We got married within five. I mean, I, I think I was about four, four months pregnant whenever we got married. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, we had the big Catholic wedding and everybody was very sweet and supportive. My sister... Cindy, that at the time, she had gotten married a little bit before we had. She's six years older than I am. And she was very supportive and very sweet to me while I was pregnant. And she would, like, slip me some money and stuff like that because we had, like, zero. We had, like, $250 to our name when we got married. So she was very supportive. And I would go down there, and Craig and I, we would drive down there with Kyle, and we'd go see them in Atlanta. And again, me and the big city, I was just wide-eyed, and I was like, yes, let's come down and live here. This would be great. Let's, you know, and and Craig just, he was a homebody. He liked mid-Missouri, and he liked his life here. So at one point, I went down, and this was probably, Kyle was probably two or three years old, and I flew down to Atlanta by myself with Kyle and stayed for, you know, a week like I normally did. And while I was there, I was looking in the newspaper. This is when we used to look in newspapers for jobs. And I was looking for a job. And my sister Cindy said, I see you're looking for a job. That's that's awesome. Is Craig on board? I mean, is he going to look for a job down here too? And I said, I don't care if he does or not, but I want to move down here. So he's welcome to come. But if he doesn't, I want to start a life down here. And At that point, I still thought that she was on my side as far as, (laughs) yeah, I'll, you know, whatever you want to do, I'll I'll support it. And she looked at me and she said, I would love to have you guys come down here, but you can't come without Craig. And I thought, what's that to you? This is, you know, this is my plan. And we always, you know, if I lied, you swore to it. So why are you not backing me on this? And she said, I need to tell you that. I have had a change in my life, and she had become a Christian. Someone told her about the saving grace of Jesus, and she had accepted Christ. And she said, I look at things a lot differently, and marriage is not something that you can just get out of lightly. It's a commitment. You've made a commitment. You guys have a kid. You're committed to that child, raising that child. So 
you're welcome to stay here and Craig's welcome to come, but you're a package deal. And at that point, too, I thought, what the heck? This was the person I thought that was going to help me get my grand plan back on track. So I packed my things and went back to, you know, to Jefferson City, and that's where we live. And I was just so restless, and I was so dissatisfied. And I mean, not like I was miserable, but I still in my head thought, we can figure this out. I can get out of here. I worked for a company who always moved people. So poor Craig, I think at times he thought I would move him while he slept. You know, I'd come home and I'd be like, hey, IBM is hiring in Des Moines. You know, let's go look at that job. Hey, IBM is hiring in Anchorage, Alaska. Let's go there. I mean, if I could have written the story of my life at that point, it would have been anywhere but here. It was just like, I don't know why. I just thought I needed to be out of and to prove something to myself. I guess. So at this point in your marriage, were things like really rough, like a lot of arguing and or was it just this sense of like, okay, like take it or leave it. Like I just want these bigger things. And if that includes my marriage staying together or if not, like what was what was the dynamic in your marriage? I think you articulated that pretty well. I mean, it was like kind of it was always the undercurrent, but we were still together. It wasn't a constant fighting, but I thought I could wear him down eventually. And that wasn't happening. So then when Cindy had told me about her faith, you know, it kind of stayed in the back of my mind. And I remember one night, like not being able to sleep. It was, you know, I'd probably gone to bed at like nine o'clock or something. And I was got up, you know, an hour or so later. And I called Cindy and said, okay, tell me about this relationship with Jesus. What do you mean? What is this? And so she, you know, told me about that, you know, we kind of grew up with, with a, your sins are forgiven, and then you go out and you sin again, and then they're forgiven, and you go out and, you know, you go to confession. And I didn't understand grace. And she said, that's why Jesus died. Jesus died because we can't work off our sins. We can't do enough good things to outweigh the sin against a holy God. And so I would say that was definitely the time whenever I went, okay, this is, this is sinking in now. And I was understanding God's grace and his death on the cross and what that meant. I used to think it was just that men overpowered him because he was good and they were evil, but it wasn't that. It was his purpose to come for our sins. And that kind of was the the turning point. Mm. So that gospel story for you is becoming like more and more attractive and you're finding yourself like thinking about it and asking your sister questions about it. Does Craig also start changing his like view of faith and a relationship with Jesus or like where are you guys at in that? Yeah. Craig was the, like for me, I knew I was a sinner. I knew the thoughts that I had in my head. I knew that I could cuss a blue streak. I knew that, you know, I, I knew my own heart. But Craig was a good guy. And everybody would say Craig was a good guy. So that was a really hard thing to try to explain that to him, the change in me and why he needed to make that decision as well. And there is a scripture that talks about, you know, the dripping faucet. The wife is, you're better off on a corner of a roof. He would have been better off on a corner of a roof for a lot of those years because I was like, <laughs> I literally would, would say to, I mean, I remember literally saying to him one time, 
if Kyle and I die, we're going to be in heaven. And if you die, you're not going to oh, be gosh. in heaven. You're oh, going to be in hell. Oh, gosh. Okay. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, oh, and I'm just, oh. it was just, it was, I just look back and go, yeah, how not to evangelize your husband. That's funny. Yes. There um, you go. So, Everyone sign up oh, for that class. Exactly. Okay, gonna teach exactly. It. Yeah. It was, that was probably in some heated fight. But yes. So. I joke that it was my prompting that led him to Christ, and it probably took about five years without me. He probably would have been a Christian in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I had a lot of learning too. But. Yeah, but you guys are growing in your faith at yeah. this time, and then you guys also have two kids. Yeah. So like, fast forward us now to, I guess, like early 2000s. You guys are really like diving into your faith but still a lot of life is like still happening at this point. So like, what does life look like at that point? Yeah. So we had Kyle and then Dane came along and when Kyle was five and we had been like just church shopping. We didn't really know what we were looking for. So we had been kind of going from church to church and our marriage was okay, but it wasn't, I was growing in my faith and Craig had gone to a promise keepers thing and I think that really was where it actually kind of clicked for him. And, and just for people that don't know, the <laughs> Promise Keepers is like a evangelistic it type. Was a like, man's, okay. It was a men's like conference okay. that they would have other men come and speak who were like well-known, like football coaches okay. you might know or baseball people, that kind of thing. Okay. And that really, you know, he being a baseball person and a sports fan, they spoke his language. So he's growing in that way. But yeah, take us up to so you have Dane, Mm -hmm. and then you have Callie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so what does life look like around like that early 2000s moving through? Um, So after we had Dane, I really wanted to stay home, but financially, we weren't able to do it. And so I ended up I was working until I was pregnant with Callie. And then I had a really great opportunity to take a leave of absence whenever I had Callie. So I took a year's leave of absence. And then at the end of that time, I had the choice of either going back to a job at the place I was at or to just take a whatever severance pay. So in that year, I kind of, you know, Craig kind of got used to that. We kind of got used to the salary and that kind of thing. And then I was able to stay home. And then I stayed home with them until Callie was in kindergarten or first grade, I guess. So yeah, so then I stayed home and I love, love, loved those years and grew spiritually during that time. And Craig and I, you know, we just more and more became on the same page. I love too that your change for both of you, it wasn't like you both found Jesus and then overnight you had this like beautiful marriage and these kids that were like, you felt so equipped to raise well. It's like, I love in your story that over the years, God was slowly shaping your hearts to be more like him. And I mean, that's true for the rest of our lives. And so sometimes you do hear about those like overnight changes. And for most people, I don't think that that's how it happens. It's like, you don't just stop talking poorly to your husband. You know, even people that are already following Jesus have to kind of learn and grow in those disciplines. And so I love that about your story. So then you guys started coming to the crossing. You got involved here at what point? Well, we were part of a small congregation in Jefferson City, and it was a great group of people. During that time, it was in 2004, our son, Kyle, our oldest, he was a runner. He was a triathlete. He loved to mountain climb. He had worked at a high adventure camp a couple of summers out in Colorado. And after he graduated from college, he moved out there. And Sadly, he 
was climbing with two other friends. He was engaged to Maria. They were to be married in two weeks, and he was caught up in an avalanche when he was climbing with his other two friends. Kyle lost his life there. The other two guys survived, thankfully. And so that event in our life was kind of the galvanizing thing for Craig and I, both in our faith and in our marriage. Of course, it was a sobering thing, but it really was when the rubber meets the road, do you really believe what you say you believe? Do you really believe God is who he says he is? Do you really believe God is good? And in that time, do you really believe that God is sovereign over everything? And I am so thankful that we had the teaching of God's sovereignty to know that his days were ordained before, not even before he was born, but before the beginning of time, our days are ordained. I had had a conversation with him like the weekend before he climbed and he, he was going on this climb. It was, we weren't talking about that, but Kyle had said, you know, Maria hates whenever I winter climb, but I love it. I love the solitude. I love doing it. He said, do you think that I'm being selfish if she doesn't like to do it? And I said, you know, right now, you know, yes, you're engaged. So you do need to take her into consideration. Certainly when you get married, that's another step to really considering the other person and their feelings. But for sure, I said, there's nothing romantic about whenever I see or or read some guy on a mountaintop and he's on a, you know, whatever those like the phones that they can use at that altitude. And he's saying goodbye to his kids or wife whenever he may not see them again. I said, there's nothing romantic about that. So when you get married and you have kids, certainly that responsibility becomes to them and you can't be taking these, you know, chances anymore. And as long as when you're climbing, you're, you know what you're doing, you're bringing the right equipment, all of those things, you know, you enjoy it and that's what you can do. And two weeks later, it was two weeks before he was to be married as well, he died in an avalanche. And if I hadn't had the teaching, the solid teaching of Scripture, God's sovereign word, that God is sovereign over everything, that our days are numbered, I could have looked back on that conversation and said, oh my gosh, I could have stopped this if I would have just said, no, don't go or don't do it this time, you know, wait until after you're married or whatever. I I would have been haunted by that. But knowing the truth of God and who he is and knowing that he's loving and knowing that Kyle knew Jesus, and I'm going to see him again. And, you know, it just, I look at that as a gift, not as a, oh gosh, I wish God would have told me to tell him not to go. I look at it as, gosh, you know, I know I'm not in control of this. And I am so thankful that there's no doubt about it. He kept journals, Kyle did, and there's no doubt about it that he was a believer. And so then a few years after he died, I was convicted to start praying, not, I can't wait till I see Kyle, but I want to know you, Jesus, and I want to love you so much that I want to see your face when I get to heaven before I see Kyle's face. And 
it's so cool to have grown in my faith. You know, I'm, again, still two steps forward, one step back, but have grown in my faith that that is the desire of my heart, to see my Savior and maybe right behind him, my son. (laughs) But yeah. Guys, I don't know about you, but I have heard Kay's story a lot of times. And every single time I get emotional and it is just like hits my heart because as a parent of young children, I really can't imagine like as you utter those words, I don't know if I can say the same thing. I think I want to, but my flesh so also wants to say, no, 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 don't touch my babies. Like don't touch my babies. Don't touch my husband. But no, like you are so right that like God is sovereign and how amazing. I mean, talk about, so going back in previously in your story, like talk about your sister just one time saying like, no, actually like my heart's really changed. I have a different perspective. And over time, God has shared with you his loving grace, his like sovereign like control and plan for your life. And so over time, like your heart and mind change so that when this happens, that like yeah, you never expected your son to die that way. You never expected him to even die, you know, in your lifetime. And yeah, way out of your control. And here you can sit and say, no, like, but that was part of God's plan and bringing glory to like the bigger story. I think as young moms too, hearing that, I know too, God works in a way that like we can't even imagine what that would feel like or how we would get through that. But when we're obedient to following God in the everyday, like he does offer us an undescribable peace that even in your grief with you and your husband, like I'm sure you just felt that presence of him and you had that hope because of, yeah, what you had already known and also him just meeting you there. And I think as young moms, Christian and I probably have a lot of conversations or hear a lot of like just wanting to so protect our children from anything hard or scary and from things in my past and from stories like yours I just want to cling to this like I don't want to be a mom that's just going to hold my children tight and want to control everything and I want more than their safety more than anything for them to know and love God and that is something that like you can sit here and be so thankful of like after you know knowing Kyle and knowing his heart and reading his journals and it's like how can we as moms like start letting go of that grasp? I think even maybe more so in our current culture, it's just like we have this sense that we can control everything that happens. And it's like, we really don't. And I don't say that to be scary, but it's like, we have no idea what the next few years of raising our children or what our even life tomorrow. is going to look like. <laughs> yeah, we're told that. We're not just like warned of like, hey, possibly hard things could happen. We are told like you will go through hardship. That is part of the Christian walk. But I am here to promise you that it's for my glory and for my good and I will be with you in it. And so I think it's really sobering and honestly humbling just to hear stories and to know like, yeah, like Christian said, I want that to be my heart and I'm going to pray for that to be my heart that at the end of the day, whatever life brings me and whatever walks in my path, like I know that God is bigger than all of it. And it's hard to say that sometimes, but I also just have to trust that he is with you through it. He was with you. He's still with you. I'm sure there's days where it still feels like you're, okay, God, like this is hard still. But I just love your story and I'm really thankful that you're willing to share it. And I think it'll help so many, so many of us, moms or not, or anyone just to remember that. So when you're kind of looking back at everything you just told us, if you could go back to your like mid 20 year old self and tell her one thing, what do you think it would be? God is in control. I love just scripture that says our days are numbered from beginning to end. I remember whenever I was kind of struggling with God being in control, someone had said, what would you rather have? 
knowing that God is in control of everything, everything in this entire universe, he holds it all in his hands. Would you rather he be in control of everything, good, bad, and ugly, or sit and wonder what he's not in control of? Well, then what ball do I have to be worried about catching? And knowing that this world is broken, and the fact that we have good in it is only by God's grace. This world is not the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to die at 22 years old. You're not supposed to, a baby's not supposed to die before you get to hold it. This is not the way life is supposed to be. And that's what we long for. And we all have that longing in our hearts. And I, I feel sometimes like I have an advantage over people who haven't had a loss like this of, I do long for heaven. I do long for Jesus to return because I am waiting for things to be made right. Mm-hmm. What a beautiful perspective. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. I mm-hmm. love that. That's awesome. Okay. Thank you again for talking with us today. We're so appreciative. And yeah, if anyone wants to reach out to you, I don't know if they could reach you, but if you want to get in contact with Kay, <laughs> they can reach you for sure. I don't know if you're willing to accept. You can you can email me at the crossing. Yes. There and you go. yes. Thank you again for being with us. Yes, we so appreciate it. And again, just thanks for sharing your story. And I hope that others are encouraged. And yeah, I think we can all learn tons from this today. Wow. So you guys are great. Thank you. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Bye.